Hello and welcome to the Amnesty International podcast, where we'll be talking you through some of our recent news stories, reports, campaigns and events. In this show, we have a short report from Mike Lewis, our security and arms specialist on the situation in Guinea since the Bloody Monday massacre last year. Who is at fault and what should the international community be doing? Also, as the Amnesty International Burkina Faso caravan comes to an end, We'll be featuring a Voice of America podcast, which covers the progress made by the campaign so far. Lastly, we hear firsthand what the human rights situation is like in Iran from two lawyers and women's rights defenders, Shadi Sada and Nobel Prize winner Shirin Abadi. Before all that, we've got Amnesty in the news. This year, Myanmar will hold its first national and local elections in two decades. However, the authorities have arrested, imprisoned and in some cases tortured or even killed ethnic minority activists. Minority groups have also faced extensive surveillance, harassment and discrimination while trying to carry out their legitimate activities. Amnesty International called on the Chinese authorities to release human rights activist Tan Zurin, who was sentenced to five years in prison for inciting subversion of state power. He was convicted for criticising the Chinese Communist Party and the government through his activities and diaries posted online. Tan Zurin's trial was grossly unfair and disregarded China's criminal procedure law. Orlando Zapata Tamio was reported to have been on hunger strike in protest at prison conditions for several weeks before his death in Havana. Amnesty International has urged Cuban President Raul Castro to immediately and unconditionally release all prisoners of conscience. There has been an increase in attacks against indigenous peoples across Colombia during 2009. Amnesty International blamed guerrilla groups, the security forces and paramilitaries for the abuses, which have included killings, kidnappings, sexual abuse of women and the recruitment of child soldiers. As the French government prepared to resume military cooperation with Guinea, Amnesty International have released a new report urging reforms of the security forces. If these do not take place and the perpetrators of last year's massacre continue to escape justice, Guinea risks a new era of human rights violations. Our new report investigates the circumstances surrounding Bloody Monday, the 28th of September in Conakry in Guinea, when uh, Guinean security forces massacred over 150 people and raped over 40 women. And in the aftermath, Uh, of those events. Uh, Many people were detained, disappeared and a number of women abducted and held as sexual slaves in private locations around Conakry. So what Amnesty International is concerned about now is that the opportunity to bring those responsible for these crimes to justice may be being lost. Although there is now a new uh, transitional government in Guinea, at least two senior military officials who the UN have accused of having individual criminal responsibility for what may constitute crimes against humanity have been retained within the Guinea's presidential cabinet. What our investigation found was that these violations were carried out using arms and military equipment supplied from a number of states around the world. Security forces used armoured personnel carriers that had been supplied from South Africa supposedly for border control. They fired tear gas grenades and munitions at trapped protesters that had been supplied from France between 2004 and 2008 without being reported to France's parliament or public. And we also found that during late 2009, there's been a major effort by Guinea's government 
to train up a new force of youth militia which reportedly include children under 18 years of age. And some of that training we found has been undertaken by uh, private military trainers from South Africa and a number of other countries. The events of Bloody Monday were made partly possible by a kind of systemic failure of states around the world to adequately assess the risk that their supplies of arms and military assistance would contribute to the kinds of human rights violations that Guinea's security forces have been perpetrating for over a decade. Hi, this is Paul, Campanar Burkina Faso, from blogging in English uh, from Gorom Gorong in Burkina Faso on our campaign on maximum mortality. Uh, we are now in the Sahel region, in the north of the country. In this region, we have the highest rate of maternal mortality. Um, we've just had um, our activities uh, showing a movie, uh, telling the story of a woman who died because she didn't get access to health center. And um, we've uh, got very good uh, feedback from people around. Maybe you can hear that people are now dancing, there's still music going on. I've been talking to a boy of 12 who just uh, told me the story that he just heard, concluded that um, one important thing that women should do is uh, go to a health center to uh, give birth. And that was quite uh, interesting. Um, so tomorrow we'll be leaving to uh, Fada and Goma, and uh, I'll tell you more about our activities. Thanks for listening. This was Paul uh, from Gorom uh, Gorom in Burkina Faso. During two weeks of discussions throughout the country with local communities, health professionals and local government officials, Amnesty International was able to present to the authorities the testimonies of the people who suffered daily from the loss of their mothers, wives and sisters. Amnesty's Claudio Cordon spoke about the campaign to Anne Look for Voice of America. As many as six women die every day in the West African country Burkina Faso as a result of pregnancy or childbirth. Burkina Faso is one of the poorest countries in the world, and human rights group Amnesty International says it's the country's poor, rural women whose lives are most in danger. Amnesty International issued a report last month that pointed to poverty and shortages of supplies and trained medical staff, as well as corruption and gender discrimination, as the underlying causes for high rates of maternal death in Burkina Faso. A 2005 law gives Burkinabe women the right to choose how many children they will have and when they will have them, and government subsidies introduced in 2006 sharply reduced the cost of childbirth. But Amnesty International found that many women do not know about their right to family planning and that poorly paid medical personnel continue to ask for informal payments with impunity. Amnesty talked with families who had been forced to buy bleach to clean up birthing rooms or pay for ambulance services that should have been free. Leaving Friday's meeting with Burkinabe officials, Amnesty's Interim Secretary General Claudio Cordon said the government's commitment to free emergency obstetric care is a step in the right direction. Not only will it make care more accessible, he said, it will also simplify the process. If you have a policy that relies on identifying who is poor and who isn't in order to uh, be exempted from costs, uh, that's an opportunity for confusion and it facilitates uh, corruption. So if it is uh, absolute clarity that women are not supposed to pay for anything from ambulance to uh, treatment uh, to cesareans or any of the other care that they need, then there is no possibility of misunderstanding. The Burkinabe government also committed Friday to lifting financial barriers to family planning services, 
which Amnesty International says can save lives by preventing unwanted pregnancies, pregnancies that are too close together, and unsafe illegal abortions. Maternal death is a preventable tragedy, Amnesty says, that can result from a woman's lack of control over her own sexual health. Financial barriers are not the only obstacles. Many Burkinabe women are married by the time they are 19, and girls continue to be subjected to early forced marriage and female genital mutilation. Amnesty's Cordon said tackling the low status of women in Burkina Faso is at the heart of saving women's lives. From abortion to uh, female genital mutilation to early marriages to a whole set of things that disempower women, that make them dependent on decisions of their husbands or the community, it is a large uh, issue. And that's why we also insisted to place the discussions about health care, obstetric care, and so on in the context of dealing with the various forms of discrimination that women suffer. Amnesty International has also encouraged international donors to continue their support of the Burkinabe government in ensuring the availability and accessibility of adequate reproductive care for women in Burkina Faso. The human rights situation in Iran has come under review by the United Nations Human Rights Council. Amnesty International, alongside other distinguished human rights campaigners, including Nobel Peace Laureate Shirin Abadi, raised questions about Iran's human rights record during a side meeting at the UN in Geneva. Before I give the floor to our eminent panelists, I would like to pay tribute to many of our friends, some of Iran's many excellent journalists, human rights defenders, lawyers and activists, now in jail in Iran. And women's rights defender Shadi Sado. When I was sitting in an interrogation room, with my face to the wall, my eyes covered with a blindfold, and my body with a chador. I never imagined that one day I would be at the United Nations headquarters giving my testimony about this very day. The post-election uh, uh, events um, have uh, changed totally Iranian political and social context. Thousands of people uh, who uh, came to the streets, saw and watched the violation of their, their rights. For a lot of them, for the first time, it was the first time that they faced by themselves violations of human rights. Nobel Prize winner Shirin Abadi. The situation for human rights defenders, sadly, is very bad. One of them has been accused of moharebe, which means waging war against God, the punishment for which is death. In the absence of the lawyers in the process of, uh, um, the process of interrogating and prosecuting uh, the, the people who were arrested, um, the judge and the prosecutors uh, do anything they want. The government have been harassing my family in Iran, my husband and my sister. They imprisoned my sister for three weeks. None of them are politically active. They target them to put pressure on me. 
They're being told they will be arrested unless I stop my activities. I'm not willing to give in to these enemies. And I will continue with my work. Two incredibly inspiring women who Amnesty are proud to support. If you would like to get involved, take action or donate, please go to amnesty.org without delay. I'm afraid that's all we've got time for in this podcast. Thanks for listening. Amnesty International.